Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions and teach us something new. This week we're talking about gender and activism, experiencing the world outside of binary norms, how much society needs to understand about gender, and how to have kind, productive conversations about identity. So joining me this week is Rain Dove. Rain is a model, actor and activist. Known for subverting expectations of gender in clothing, Rain has modelled alternately as male and female in shoots, while personally choosing to use no particular pronouns. At the beginning of the war in Ukraine, Rain founded grassroots organisation SafeBo, which worked to help more than 20 trans and queer people who were stuck in the country safely across the border. It turns out, when you upset people, it's quite fashionable. So first up, would you like to just tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to activism and around gender sort of issues? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, my name is Rain Dove, Rain Like from the Sky, Dove Like the Bird. Um, and I think that activism has um, always been a part of my existence. And I think actually activism is a part of everyone's mm. existence, you know, because our existence is resistance. It's resisting the vast void of non-life in the universe. And we are here like breathing and our hearts are beating. I don't think I've ever really defined myself as an activist until moderately recent. And I think that the word activism is a really loaded word because it can be quite capitalistic in some senses and quite mm -hmm. definitive. And activism is a spectrum. Um, but for me, coming into the identity of, of, of adding that as a way that I would introduce myself is, um, I would say maybe a couple of years ago, I realized that when you don't feel good, you have to do good. And the choosing of the doing, the privilege of the choosing of the doing, that and that that's when I realized like um, I am an activist because I am actively choosing to show up um, outside of the realm of my own self, my own um, space. And I'm actively choosing to be uh, in spaces where people's intentions are to expand the equalities and the accessibility of other beings um, and individuals on the, on the planet. In gender specifically, I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> there's, I, I can't call myself a gender activist, I don't think, because I am just existing. I don't really like the idea that my existence is a complicated issue, mm -hmm. um, but it is, you know? Um, so I would say if, if you had to call uh, existence resistance activism, as we had talked about earlier, then I would say, yeah, I've, I've probably been a gender activist since the minute I punched my way out of the, out of the womb, you know? <laughs> punched your way out <laughs> it was a violent exit <laughs> I had to fight to get out of there you know my parent is very small and I'm very big so I couldn't wait to get out <laughs> so I mean 
obviously thank you for kind of sharing how you feel about activism as a sort of label both for yourself and for Mm. other people in terms of modeling I feel like that's where maybe some people may have first heard of you or might not know that that that's kind of something else that you do how was your modeling experience kind of become such a talking point kind of give us a give us a bit more (laughs) of your sort of history um of how how you're different as a model all right I never really thought I'd ever become a model in fact I used to make fun of them growing up I grew up in a very rural environment and we made fun of people who would spend money on uh you know three thousand dollars on a Chanel purse (laughs) when Mm. we knew that could pay someone's rent for a year at the time but uh, I was um, homeless in San Francisco. I had made friends with an individual who happened to be a model at DKNY, and we were watching a football game. And I just made the wrong choice of what team was going to win. And as a result of losing, she sent me to what she thought would be the ultimate punishment, a casting call for a Calvin Klein charity show. Wow! And when I went there, they said, you're here on the wrong day. And I looked around and I'm like, they must do it by hair color because everyone here is like redhead or blonde. And I was the only dark haired person in the room. Makes sense. You don't want the hair color to clash with the clothing. Mm-hmm. And it turned out actually that uh, when I came back on the day they secondly assigned me, it turns out that they thought I was man, um, which has happened throughout my life. And uh, it didn't really bother me at all. So I, I did the casting. I got cast. And on the day of the show, they handed me a pair of underwear and they said, go put on your outfit. And then we're just going to get right into it. And I'm like, where do I get my outfit? And I said, that's it. And I realized I was in a Calvin Klein men's underwear show. Now, I have double Ds, um, and sometimes they're Fs depending on the time of the month. And I knew I had two choices in that moment. One choice, I could say, thank you very much for the opportunity. Please take back your fine garments because I have some things on my body that may not align with the particular marketing scheme you have in mind for the show. Mm -hmm. Or I can make my friend just as embarrassed as I was to be there. And so... I went for the second one and I burst out of the dressing room, went right down the runway before anyone could stop me, fully topless, dressed in my underwear and upset just enough people that people remembered. And they reached out and they started asking me to do other work for them because it turns out when you upset people, it's quite fashionable. I originally hopped on the Yes train for modeling because of the fact that I knew if people could afford those Chanel purses, they could afford to make a difference in people's lives because socioeconomic division is the biggest, I think, oppression in the, on the planet. It's the biggest shared oppression. And if mm-hmm. I could reallocate monetary resources, I would. I never thought that gender would be an issue because on television, they always showed that fashion was quite queer. You know, um, mm-hmm. all the designers are gay and all the models are strange, right? And I thought I would fit right in. But it turns out that it was very, still very controversial, um, still very taboo. And also, um, I was the first model to be signed to both a men's and a women's agency who did not have a gender identity at the Mm -hmm. time. And the first model to ever be on the cover of a men's and a women's magazine at the same time that didn't have a gender identity. And at first, I didn't really feel that it was so important to talk about gender and things because they have just been facts to me. And in a certain way, I've always felt kind of like an alien and I never really expected people to understand. So I really haven't had to fight for anyone's understanding. Mm. I feel like um, I just flow through the world like water and I just exist around people hoping for the best of intentions rather than the best of understanding or pronoun. Mm -hmm. But when a BuzzFeed article took off and my 
social media literally blew up overnight, people from around the world started writing and talking about how lonely they felt and how they felt they feel like people think that there's something wrong with them because they want to exist outside the realms of what has always been to be something that they know that they are, which is maybe not definable by language. Mm. And a lot of people asked me to be a little bit louder to work with other people to help communally elevate each other's voices. And that's kind of where the idea of like activism around gender kind of popped out. So instead of just modeling, um, I was coming up with very specific campaigns. How can we address, you know, the narrative? How can we talk to some of the most oppressive or the most limiting power entities in the world. For instance, Victoria's Secret. Um, they say they have mm. the most beautiful women in, in the world on their runway. How can we talk to them about that? So my career stopped being pe- waiting for people to choose me to put in their campaigns and starting to mm. choose myself, starting to choose this community, coming up with carefully constructed, basically outbursts, <laughs> fashion outbursts. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's kind of like what's brought me to here because people, I think they have a hard time looking away from something that's a little explosive. Sure. I mean, how do you try and balance that? Cause I mean, what I I'm kind of hearing you say is that you're not really, you were never really looking to to make yourself political and not mm. that not that you felt that you had to either so how do you kind of balance that now that it seems like people probably have more of an expectation of what you're going to be doing like how do you balance that with just taking care of you and existing as a person and mm. not kind of you know not not people taking too much from you mm. actually my most recent post on instagram was about this because it's quite difficult right there is this thing that occurs, especially within people who've experienced marginalization or oppression, where we can oftentimes feel obligated to continually give, give, give to the people around us in almost a performative Mm -hmm. way, not to assuage our own guilt, but because we don't feel good feeling good. We're not okay being okay, um, because we understand what it's like to not be okay. And so it's hard to sit still when things are going well. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I tried so many different things, every single like, you know, mental health retreat or, or uh, you know, I, of course, therapy is, is very useful in its various forms. I tried positive music. I've tried making it so that I have specific days where I work and other days where I don't. But what I've actually realized has been the best thing is I accept the fact that the work that is being done is worthy and wonderful and that it also comes in waves Mm -hmm. and that will align itself with depression. It will align itself with expression, wanting to be creative. And I've learned to just ride the wave and to not see joy as the goal. Joy is not my goal. Happiness is not my goal. It's not because happiness isn't wonderful. It's because happiness is not the only valuable emotion. Mm. I found a way to love my depression, to love when I'm not feeling great, to figure out like, how to be really present when things are going well and to kind of just trust that everything I am doing and everything that I am not doing is all a part of the purpose of this existence. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I've let go, I've stopped panicking because I feel like we always try to climb this mountain to reach something of a summit. But I don't think we have to panic about going up or down. Yeah. You know? 
We just have to be. I can relate to that on a certain level. I, d- I definitely don't think I would have got to the stage where I would love my depression, but I can definitely relate to the kind of, yeah, like leaning in and kind of letting it happen. Uh, the, the thing of, you know, not not fighting against it all the time, like I, I think is, yeah, something I would probably feel quite similar on. Okay, so you mentioned kind of social media and how you were sort of communicating even recently about the way you were feeling. I think a lot of maybe what people would have seen, like the side of your maybe activism that people would have seen is maybe on social media. And I'm quite, I'm really interested in the kind of videos that you make. And I think you probably have got something of a unique perspective in terms of, Mm. because you have had that background, like even just in the modeling sense of kind of, you know, dressing in men's clothes, dressing in women's clothes, like being kind of, very accepted in both of those <laughs> genres if you like it seems like you're quite comfortable kind of leaning into both of those and that makes for some really interesting kind of experiment kind of content that you've done I'm I'm thinking particularly of uh like videos that you've done which I thought were really interesting from a mental health perspective mm. as well so there was one video that you did about crying on a train <laughs> yeah talk talk us through that a little bit because I thought that was really interesting so one of the interesting things is that I do get to be perceived as any and all genders mm-hmm. people think that I am a cis woman cis man trans woman trans man and some people think I just they don't they don't know where I'm going but they don't think I've arrived there quite yet <laughs> <laughs> which is perfect it's beautiful as a result, I get to sit in the quite literal locker rooms of, of every gender identity, and I can hear exclusive conversations and see quite unique perspectives and brainwashings <laughs> that um, uh, the other mm-hmm. group has not yet quite demystified. I've also been rejected from all these groups, and it's quite dangerous when um, people don't believe I belong in a space because a lot of people do think mm-hmm. I am trans. Um, and as a as a result, that can you know trans uh, trans people, especially trans women, are one of the most targeted uh, groups on the planet for violence. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result, I started doing these gender experiments because a lot of people won't understand how one person's life can be radically different just by being perceived as a different gender identity or expression. And the train one <laughs> was really fun. It, it's really simple. I was I, I had a I had gotten broken up with and I was having a hard time one time and I remember crying on the train and I was in societally masculine clothing by your by y'all's mm-hmm. definitions, <laughs> not my own. But um, sure. and I was. So I felt so alone. Mm. And when I took off my jacket, because it it got warm, I was wearing a tank top. And just not that breasts make a woman or a female identity, but this is how society will sometimes just pinpoint. And suddenly Mm -hmm. I had people coming to sit with me and check in with me and make sure that I'm okay. So I decided to do a video on the train. We got a bunch of really great uh, volunteers to quietly record secretly all over the, the train car and just in societally masculine and societally feminine aesthetic and attire, which by the way, I do not believe in, but this is how society sees things. Mm-hmm. I just cried on the train um, for, uh, we did several <laughs> several train rides and just tried to see what people's reactions were. Mm. When it came to the societally masculine aesthetic, when people often thought I was male, they thought I was mentally ill. Um, this is a really common thing is that they thought I had a mental health obstacle um, and people didn't want to approach mm. me because it was scary. It was scary to them. And the people who did approach me were almost always people who identified as mothers. 
um, which I thought was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Neither societal men or, um, you know, societal single uh, women approached me, but mothers did. They would reach out across with their baby prams and things and make sure I was okay when they thought I was a man. Mm -hmm. But when people thought I was a woman, and I think a lot of people probably thought I was a trans woman even, there was a lot more engagement. I don't think I could go even half a stop without someone handing me a tissue or checking in to see how I'm doing. And almost mm -hmm. uh, every, you know, this happened in London and, you know, the, per the percentage of the uh, white population is quite high in, in the UK in general, even though the city of London is quite multiracial. Mm -hmm. But the reason I bring that up is because when you watch the videos back, you'll notice that about nine out of 10 of the people who reached out were BIPOC, actually, uh, individuals mm. to check in if I were okay. And I thought that was quite interesting um, because almost all of those people thought I was a trans woman. And uh, that was really, really beautiful. Mm. Now, this is not an accurate depiction of what people's experience will be all around the world. And I'm not trying to tell everyone that this is the male experience and this is the female experience. Yeah. I'm trying to tell people that there's a whole part of our life that we're missing out on mm -hmm. by assessing the world in a way that limits people to labels and the ideologies and expectations and expectations that have to come with those labels. For me personally, my life is radically different and I just want to live the best life that I can live, which is why for me, I just identify as I and I present myself in uh, a way where when I'm opening up my dresser, it's like opening up a toolbox and I'm trying to figure out what problems I want to solve in the world. How do I want to be a person who is having a lot of conversations that are controversial today? Do I want to just mm -hmm. be invisible and blend? Do I want to tap into the bias of advantages that come to masculinity in men? Do I want the biases and, and advantages, uh, advantages that go to women? I wake up every morning in a world that says that my identity is not possible. And yet I know that my whole purpose is to find the possibilities most people will never experience. And I'm really mm -hmm. grateful for it. It's so interesting hearing you talk about it. And obviously because the way that you are, you know, just going about your business and, you know, trying to trying to do the best that you can in various areas, it is so much about what other people understand and not even about mm. you know things that you're necessarily trying to learn but it's kind of trying to pass on this information or kind of breaking down those barriers for a lot of other people and I mean it's the kind of thing like I mean I don't mind saying it's an area of conversation that makes me slightly more nervous but only because I don't want to say the wrong thing you can never say the wrong thing to me <laughs> but, I th but I think that's that's you know like I think that's how a lot of people feel and you were talking about you know people's understanding mm. and I think the way that I think about it is that no I I don't probably understand you know how people who express gender differently to me I don't understand how they feel but I also don't expect to understand and I feel like that's maybe something I, I see a lot of difference mm. in as in you see a lot of people and it's kind of the well I don't understand that experience therefore it makes me angry mm. what do you think people need to understand <laughs> like what kind of level do we need to understand what what about gender do we need to understand mm. in order to kind of let go of it a little bit well let me uh let me uh do this real quick i'm gonna do a really short exercise with you is that all right okay sure all right so what i want you to do is close your eyes for a second mm -hmm. 
And I want you to picture the color blue. Do you see it? Yep. Okay. Open your eyes. So the color blue that you were thinking of, mm -hmm. was it blue like this? <laughs> kind of, yeah, not, yeah, kind of, I'd call it like, I was thinking of maybe a sky blue, if that helps for the sake of the tape. that people <laughs> There is a gorgeous sky blue outside, but what kind of sky? A stormy sky blue, right before the sunset sky blue, the twilight of the midnight kind of like, you know, blue or a bright sunny day, no clouds in the sky kind of I'm going to say like sunny blue. Mm. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, we speak in ideas and we're not so individualistic about it. And we all think that we're speaking the same language mm -hmm. because it's English or it's French or it's something that we've defined. But the thing is, we don't speak specifically and therefore we don't connect specifically. When somebody says something like, I love the color blue, they're not really saying anything. Because you don't really know what blue they're talking about. You can't get yeah. specific. Somebody says, I love the color blue. It doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Oftentimes, when we speak in these broad terms, I am a woman. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now what? <laughs> what does that yeah. look like? Yeah. You know, because if you say that a woman is someone with particular genitals, and then you put a bunch of people who have those genitals in a room, are all those genitals the same? Do they all look the same? Do they all need to be treated the same? Do they all like smell the same, taste the same, feel the same? Like, no. The thing is that we try to understand the world as simply as possible because there's so much and it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, if we want to get to understand each other, we need to speak in more individualistic and specific terms. And we need to stop treating each other as ideas and start treating each other as individuals. Mm -hmm. When you talk about you're worried about saying the wrong thing, well, um, that could definitely happen if one is speaking as an, as an idea. But instead of seeing someone as an idea, get to know them as an individual. And if you don't know, you know, it's about finding out who that person is by how that person is. I really believe that who and how have the same letters for the same, for a good reason, because who we are is, is how we are. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily what we are or when we are or where we are. It's the how, you know, how we, how we breathe and perceive the world. And when it comes to gender for me, I am how. And I want to be treated based on the how mm -hmm. I am. And that's what I wish more people would understand. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. 
Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions, and the first one comes in from an anonymous listener who says, I'd love to hear about what your take is on gender reveal parties or events for babies during pregnancy. It gets more and more popular, but to me it feels so contradictory to the efforts for giving less weight or importance to birth assigned gender or biological sex. Mm. Well, I mean, (laughs) I think that it's really difficult because gender is something, gender and sex um, are things that are quite ingrained into people's uh, religions and their cultures. And Mm. there can be so many uh, things that people feel, you know, are parts of that child's destiny that they really want to support. However, for me personally, I feel that trying to define what something is by celebrating that thing before you even know that assumption it's not that it's cruel or wrong, but it seems to me a whole waste of time. Mm. Um, the thing is, is like when a child is brought into this world and they have a clean slate, the moment, <laughs> the moment that you start trying to tell that person who they are, it's the moment they stop being who they are. They stop existing as a free individual or entity. So in my opinion, if I, I believe that if if we could end gender reveal parties for the sake of pigeons everywhere because there's always explosives and the in the sake of the environment because we a couple of places have been burned down over gender reveal yep. parties but i believe that we should we should if we can i would cease it otherwise um it's not fair mm-hmm. what do you really want out of it, it seems selfish to me <laughs> but that's my opinion and i think it's a very fair opinion this question was from fifi who says, I would like to know why Rain rejects the term woman. Women who are gender non-conforming are still women. Identifying as non-binary because one is gender non-conforming actually just reinforces gender norms. Mm. Now, it's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things where I obviously don't I don't want to put something forward to you that's going to be offensive. I hope nobody is upset by that listening to it because it's obviously coming from quite a mm. quite a black and white place to begin with. I consent a, a thousand percent. But I think I thought it was a question that could be useful to talk over. And now I will mm. actually let you answer the question instead of mm. preempting the rest of it. So first of all, I think it's quite wonderful that Fifi reached out because that means that if Fifi didn't want to have a conversation, Fifi could continue to go and live their life and never open up the door at all, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that they came to the table and they're willing to um, put something forward, um, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to do that. When people have a difficult time accepting the shifting of language, especially language like woman or man, right? Because these languages have, they're not, these words are not just labels. Words are ingrained in laws and limitations and things that have generationally disempowered or empowered people undeservedly based off from just the idea of what that individual is because of their genitals or because of their hormones, right? Mm -hmm. So I can understand that it's hard. There's an abandonment complex whenever anyone leaves the team of someone that is in, is in a group of especially vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. I personally, and I'm not going to speak for all people, I'm not going to speak for all people who identify in an open way, but I think one of the most empowering things is that I 
took the word woman away because first of all, the word woman was not invented by women. The word woman has historically been steeped in the disenfranchisement of anyone affiliated with that entity. And the word woman was not my own. I didn't choose it. I didn't get to make it. I didn't get to have it. I stopped being the idea of woman and I stopped being the, I, I started being the idea of individual. For me, this is the ultimate freedom to say, I am I, mm -hmm. and I want you to hold me accountable for the I that I am. And I do not see any value for me personally in having the word woman or man affiliated with me. I do not see any reason to hold on to a history of people who I have never been to make that a part of the future that I will live in the now that I currently exist in. Mm -hmm. I also feel quite deeply in my own spiritual um, portion of my existence that I am more than the existence of my flesh or my mind. I believe that I am um, a multi-tiered existence that we all have a lot of different ways in which we are both real and not real. Um, and as a result, to try to reduce it down to the simplicity of my flesh or hormones just doesn't really seem practical for me personally. Mm -hmm. However, fear not, Phoebe, I will not abandon you or the fight that you have as a person who wants to protect anyone who has been disenfranchised or elevated based on the word woman. I will always show up for people who identify with that term to make sure that they are treated with um, love and respect should they choose that label to be a part of their life. And while I don't personally use that word for me, if you're in a place where you're like, Rain, I will always see you as a woman, whether you like it or not, you can't control that portion of my perception. It's okay, Vivi. I, you can see me how you want to see me because your perception is your reality, but your perception will never change the truth of how I know myself, just like I can never change the truth of how you know yourself. And it's okay if we don't quite understand each other. That was lovely. Thank you so much. So my thought on reading that question is that what Fifi was actually talking about were two different things and kind of mm -hmm. forcing them together. Yes. So the idea that, you know, one of the sentences in that question was women who are gender non-conforming are still women. Mm -hmm. And my thought to that was, well, some of them will be. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But also that doesn't, I mean, from, from the sound of that question, it's a kind of thinking that anyone who is you know, pro people being able to determine everything about themselves and their own identities is kind of pushing for the fact that, you know, say you are a woman who prefers typically masculine, I don't know, clothing or hobbies or any mm. of these things that people like to gender that everyone's now kind of looking at you going, oh, well, you're not a woman then. And why don't you just come over here? And why don't you identify as this? And why don't you do something different? And that I don't, I don't really see that happening a lot either. I feel like it's kind of this raging war that's being fought against something that isn't happening. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's the deal. Like the idea that anything is gendered at all is so silly to me. Right. Um, the it, it's very antiquated. <laughs> the idea that you know you like to have your hair short—that's masculine. Mm -hmm. the, the idea that you like to wear a dress—that's feminine. Makeup is feminine. In my opinion, I think that um, there are a lot of 
people who exist outside the realms of expectation. That doesn't necessarily mean that their label has to as well, or their um, the way that they identify has to. It's the uh, it, just because other people don't identify them <laughs> within that realm, mm-hmm. you know. And there are a lot of people who identify as women who are also gender non-conforming by societal standards. But in my opinion, I do not think that there is a way to not conform or to conform to gender. I think that everything is flowing. If anything, humans are not animal conforming because we're doing all this stuff to create a world that is quite unnatural and it, mm-hmm. and make it a part of our natural existence. You know, our clothing is just fake fur and feathers and and hides that that aren't real. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't. I, I don't really believe in gendering the material, in my opinion, you know, but I can understand how they're trying to make the space. And what I also hear from this is there's often a fear that um, there's a fear of pigeonholing uh, people who identify with the word women into the 1950s expectation of women, long mm-hmm. hair, lipstick, dresses, like there's a fear of the hypersexualization of women through societal hyper femininity by the way that we've defined it. And people qu- are quite afraid of that. They want people to know that like, oh, um, if you have, if you use the word woman, that women can look like anything, mm-hmm. that beauty comes in all forms, that exp- that true equal expression means without expectation. So just because someone likes to wear a suit and tie, um, they should still be able to identify as a woman and, and uh, be seen as a woman and that to be seen as part of a feminine, pers- you know, kind of feminine expression. And yeah. and I agree. I just, um, I, I agree. Like I said, I, I would like to get rid of the ideas of expectation and really just handle people as individuals. I think that it's so silly that we look at someone and think this person's feminine or masculine. I, I In general, I just think that we should just look at people and say, this person is this person. Mm-hmm. Now, are they a good witch or a bad witch? Are they going to be safe <laughs> for me to be around or not? That's really yeah. the most important question. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Now, last question. I thought it was quite quite a fun question. I'm I'm already kind of assuming your your answer would be everything, but let's let's say maybe the things you would do first. Okay. So this last question from Jamie, who says, if a genie gave you three wishes to degender anything for everyone, what would they be? Three wishes to degender anything for anyone? Yeah, so degendering specific things across the board, I think, was kind of the question. So, I mean, yeah, I reckon you would go go for everything, but let's maybe pick like the three things you think are we should try to get rid of the soonest. Okay. All right. All right. Um, language. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, Jeannie, can you just reset language so there's no gender? There has never been laws around those genders. There has never been sex expectations around those genders. There has never been anything about genders in general. Everyone can forget and just start from a clean slate. <laughs> Go, you know, um, disenfranchisement fixed overnight. Okay. Uh, so there's, there's gender. Um, I would say, uh, Employment. Mm. Um, I think if I could degender employment, um, I would. I think that the idea of having to work for money is toxic in general. Um, I don't really like the the uh, whole like concept of of capitalism that we have disenfranchising people. But while we do have employment, I think it should be degendered 100%. The hiring mm-hmm. process, the um, expectation process, the whole jam. And for a personal item that I think should be degendered, 
you know what? <laughs> There's this aspirin and it's called Feminex and it's aspirin with a little bit of caffeine in it. It's in London. It's in the UK. <laughs> yeah. And they call it Feminex because it's supposed to be the fastest working aspirin to help you with your like menstrual cramps, but it's really just like paracetamol with, with caffeine. Mm-hmm. Anyone can have it, any person. And in fact, it's the fastest working, most effective they should hire me. Where's my Where's my paycheck? Um, it's it's a fast sponsor. Is not sponsored by Feminux, but it should be. <laughs> yeah, I've always been. Whenever I see this, you know, I don't I don't uh, use uh, paracetamol or aspirin very often. But whenever I do, I use this one thing, and I'm like, this is so silly that it's gendered. It really, <laughs> it's so unnecessary. Oh, and last but not least, if we could degender stores, I think you should be able to walk into a store and buy things based on your measurements. Your individual understanding of the measurements of your body mm-hmm. and you should just be able to buy based on the type of garment i think that would get rid of a lot of colonialism a lot of the uh, gender bias and also um fat there's a lot of fat phobia and things like that that occur mm-hmm. i wish that we could um embrace having more accessible uh shopping experiences obviously <laughs> If you want to hear about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs, or you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest. And so could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? For something to read, um, I would say uh, read yourself. And what I mean by this is, Um, whenever you have a moment where you realize that life is different than it was at some other point, maybe it's improved a little bit or that things have changed, you should write that down. I really encourage journaling and I really encourage being able to go back and read your journal. It's important to know that our life is shifting because often we spiral into spaces that are really dark when we feel that we're stuck, but actually we're constantly stuck and unstuck. And the best way you can know how to navigate through that is to see that you've once been stuck and unstuck before so it can happen again. So Mm. journal and read your own words. And something to listen to? I'm wildly obsessed with Remy Wolf at the moment. I think Remy Wolf is just the coolest human. (laughs) Um, I really love their music. I really love the space that they take up. And I really um, encourage anyone who just needs a moment of positivity, because I know there's so much negativity right now in the world Mm -hmm. and difficult things going on, to just sit and listen to some Remy Wolf. Perfect. Thank you. And finally, something to watch. Something to watch. There is a YouTube video called uh, People Are Awesome. It's the workers edition. And you see people who are doing their jobs as cashiers or they're street uh, street sweeping or, um, you know, they're uh, putting shampoo into bottles. But these people are absolutely excellent at what they do. And I think that it's really fun to watch because it reminds you that sometimes we have this idea, this aspirational idea that the thing we have to be really good at is like, really, really big. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, there's always something that we can master or execute in our own lives. And it's so inspiring to see people getting so much joy out of the way that they've mastered their, like a corner or space in their life that other people may overlook. And it just makes me so happy to see that, you know, and know that that sometimes we can find joy and purpose in places that we're not told are possible. Thank you for listening and thank you, Rain, for joining me. 
I'll finish by saying Rain and I are two individual people and we have discussed some opinions about gender here and that's just what they are, our opinions. I'm not trying to tell you exactly what you should think or feel about your gender or other people's, but I do believe that being more open to hearing and understanding other people and having these conversations is beneficial to all of us. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using. And if you're feeling generous, you can leave a rating and a review as well. See you next week.